0: The Bible lesson for today is written in the 12th chapter of Mark, beginning with verse 28. It is on page 824 in the Bible provided in front of you. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher. Any more questions? The Word of the Lord.
1: Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Of all the principles and foundations, of all the statutes we could teach, of all the things that Charlie could learn as he grows, what's most important? How would you answer this question? Jesus is posed with this question, this fundamental question, and at first glance, it seems tricky. I mean, it could be complicated. After all, there are 613 different statutes in the Old Testament law that he could have answered with. Which one's he going to pick? He's put to the test, and he answers with this passage, "'Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength.'" And interestingly enough, even though it seems like a tricky answer or a tricky question at the forefront, there is a commonly accepted answer of his time, of Jesus' time. The pious Jews of that era would have known how to respond to that question. It would have been one of the very first things that they would have memorized as a young person. It's something they would recite in the morning and recite in the evening. And to this day, it's used in synagogue worship. Jesus is citing from Deuteronomy 6, from the Old Testament, from a passage commonly entitled the Shema. I'll show you the Hebrew here. It starts out like this. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad. you got to phlegm that last part really strongly. <laughs> Echad, the idea of one. It says, hear, O Israel, hear that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. There is only one God, and he is the one to worship. And then later on, it goes on to say, love that Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your, oh, wait a minute, that part's not in there. (laughs) But it's clear right from the get-go, to love God with all that you are is a holistic pursuit. There's nothing to hold back. It's everything we are. And that the people of Israel are to impress that not only upon their generation, but the younger generation. They are to talk about God when they get up in the morning. They are to seek him as they walk along the road. They are to look for him as they go about their daily business and when they sit down and when they they go to sleep. In fact, they're even to put it uh, maybe between their eyes so they can't miss it. (laughs) They're to put it in their door frames, as this image illustrates a very Practical way that some people follow this today. They roll up a tiny Shema inside of these scrolls and they place it on their doorframe so that they can place their hand upon it and remember to follow God all day long with all of their lives. Fascinating. So we're supposed to impress this upon our, our children, but upon ourselves as well and share in sharing this together. See, there's no area of life, there's no location in the world, there's no situation or challenges where God is left out. He cares deeply and wants us to respond deeply, holistically. And that is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful gift that God gives to us that we can integrate every part of our lives and not feel segmented or broken up or scattered. We can feel like whole people in Jesus, this gift of God. And so if you're filling in the blanks today, go ahead and take those notes out, grab a pen. You can fill in this first blank that together equals every aspect of our lives joined together in loving and following God every aspect. And Jesus takes this teaching to a whole nother level. He he revolutionizes it by adding Leviticus 19.18 to this Shema, saying, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. A little context in Mark 12, out of 16 total chapters, we're well on our way to the cross, and Jesus has entered in to shouts of Hosanna, and then he's left the city again. And he's coming back, and he clears the temple because he sees that they've not made it a house of prayer, but really a den of robbers. And he clears the temple, and you can imagine the authorities and how they felt about that. He leaves the city again. He comes back with his disciples the next day, and the stakes are high. The tension is high. The questions are trying to trap Jesus in his words. They're trying to trap the Savior of the world in his own words. And at the end of the passage, it says, And no one dared ask him any more questions, so it didn't really fare very well for them. But instead, he adds Leviticus 19.18, saying this, That you should love your neighbor as yourself. So now the love of God and the love of neighbor are now interwoven. They are interconnected. They are not separate. They are together. And Jesus's teaching certainly is consistent this way. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus over and over again is linking love of neighbor and love of others around us right alongside love of God. So for us to think that we can separate those two or that they can live apart from each other we are foundationally fooling ourselves if we think we can do anything else but love, our other, love others and love God together. And that's helpful teaching for us today, as always, and to share with others. So our mission, have you, you guys might have heard this before. Maybe you've heard this statement before? To be and make disciples of Jesus Christ. It's our mission. It's a mission that God has given each body throughout time, each church, to follow. And after Matthew 28, that was a common common mission for all the churches. But we have a unique time and place that we live in as a church, a unique city of Columbus, a unique world that we're living in, where we get to speak this truth, this gift of God into. And around here, we're enlivened by this mission. We absolutely love seeing people get connected to Jesus for the first time. We love seeing people grow in Christ after they've gotten to know him. We know that there is so much good life in this gift of loving God with our whole selves that we want to give that gift away, right? Amen? Amen to that? thank you. It's exciting when we get to do this. It's, it's um, enlivening, and we want to share it with others. I recently heard a person share their story of, of growing up in the faith, but then going away from it for a, a whole lot of young adult years, but then finding all the things that were not really available that they were searching for, and then they came back to Jesus, found Jesus really in a, in a really holistic way, and their lives uh, have been, been changed by that. And I sat in the new member uh, lunch last week at at Pastor Steve's house. And I got to tell you, everybody, receiving those new members, wasn't that great? Wasn't that beautiful? And to know that that's happening at both of our campuses. And there were 24 new people now all together and part of our church body. They feel like they have found a church home, a place that is deeply rooted in Jesus, that they can be themselves and they can grow in their faith. I mean, it's a beautiful gift that we give to each other. God has given us each other in many ways. And I've been looking forward to preaching just to say that to you guys. I'm grateful that we have each other. I'm grateful that I get to live in this city with my family, with you all, and that we get to live, live and know each other and get to know each other better. So if this is a church's mission, I want you to look at this phrase for a second. If this is our mission, there is at least one word. All the words are important, but there's at least one word up there that you better have Clear. You better have a solid definition and a common understanding of, or it's going to be very difficult to carry out your mission. What word do you think that is? Thank you, disciple. I would propose that it is indeed that word. And if we don't have clarity around that and some sense of how to talk about that easily and and collectively with the same language and the same understanding, then it's going to be very difficult to follow Jesus into being and making them. And so we put this together a while back. We put together this portrait of a disciple. You might have seen these blue books out there. You can grab one of those um, and read more about this. It's a whole Bible study in there that's great. But we put some qualifying words to this idea of this Mark 12 passage. We use Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So help me fill in the blanks. Do you guys remember the different words that we use? Let's see how we do first, and then I'll show them to you, okay? You got blanks there on your page. We talked about hearts. What's the word that we put in front of hearts? Soft hearts. Nice job. All right. Collective wisdom in the room. Here we go. And then we went to engaged minds. And then we went to open hands. And then we can do the whole spirits. All right. So there it is up on the screen for you if you'd like to fill in those blanks. Soft hearts, engaged mind, open hands, whole spirits. That helps us lean into the stories of Scripture and see how Jesus transformed other people's lives in these ways. And I got to tell you, I have found this to be such a helpful tool, such a helpful resource, not just in theory up here so that I can talk about following Jesus easily and share that with other people, but also because as I hang out with other people and they share about what it's like for them to follow Jesus, and even for myself, I'm able to think about, okay, what part of this am I drawn to right now? What am I really expressing right now? And what have I kind of forgotten about? Because man, it's easy to forget about stuff and I'm not living really that gift that God has for me. I sat with a young adult a a, a number of weeks back, a number of months back, and he expressed this interesting story. He said, David, when I'm serving, I just feel so alive in God. I love serving Jesus. I love investing in, in younger people. I love caring for them. I love seeing them grow in Jesus. But whenever I stop serving, I feel this guilt. I feel like I should be doing more. Does that sound like Jesus following? To me, in this portrait, it sounds a little off. It sounds good on one hand, but it sounds really off in another. It feels like he's feeling a burden that doesn't make any sense. So I wasn't sure what it was, but we walked through all four of these. And we talked about what his life looked like in all four of these. And guess what his reaction was by the time we finished? (sighs) Awesome. Charge up over here. I can connect with God over here and then I can serve out of the overflow of that. That's beautiful. He had realized that his discipleship was really lopsided. And God gave us that gift in the scriptures to help reroute his life and to start all over again. And it was a good reminder to me as we talked for sure. It was beautiful. And so spend time with this and see what God does in your own life to draw you to things that might be more holistic. But let's return to this word together and look at it in a different way. I want to look at it as um, not only every aspect of our lives, but I also want to talk about it as us. Together, everyone connected to Christian community experiencing the care of trusted relationships, and the encouragement to grow in Christ, because we're in this thing together. I don't know if you guys feel this way right now in terms of being together, but I feel like this place has become home for us. It's been five years since we moved here from Dayton, and it feels like home, and it feels like our family is really connected. And if you don't feel that way yet, that's okay, because it, over time it, it can. And, um, and the new member workshop and the small groups, all these things are, are here for you to help you feel more connected. But little Joanna is eight months old now, our littlest one. And um, we went to the doctor the other day. She is the 98th percentile for height and weight. She is healthy. She received a flu shot and did not flinch. I was like, why? Well, this is our fourth child and I've never seen that. You are well done, Joanna. Uh, it's beautiful to watch and to share life together, right? But there are roughly, by our best head count, 3,000 people who consider UALC their church home. And it probably doesn't feel that way to you because we found these worshiping communities that are, that are 200 to 400 people, and we feel like I, I'm known and I can be known here a little bit. And then if I join a small group, I can feel more connected and all that. Um, but man, that's a lot of people, right? And as we consider a mission to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ, we might consider how hard it is for 3,000 people to do anything together, let alone a joint mission, right? We've got to have a common understanding about this and a common pursuit, something that can energize us and focus us, pull us forward. And so this stuff may not be the most splashy or exciting, but I think it is because of the potential that it holds. And so we've had to come up with some some practices, some things about the rhythm of life we want to share. Because what we realize is that not every meeting and every get-together like this can accomplish everything in the life of following Jesus. It has its limitations, although it has all its pluses. It's beautiful. But what we can do in small groups is different, right? What we can do in a growth workshop is different. And so we've come up with these practices that we can start to focus in on how do we follow Jesus together. It also helps us because I don't know about you, but there are plenty of distractions out in the world. There are plenty of things I could spend my time on, but it's helpful to note that not all patterns of life are all healthy for us or lead to life. What we're trying to hone in on together and encourage each other toward is that there is a way of life in Jesus that leads to life. We have a good gift to give to each other and to others. And so we've, we've shared these in, in some little white pamphlet here. You can grab out there, but they're up on the screen too. You can read more about them if you want. The idea of worship, grow, and serve in these categories of worshiping on Sunday mornings, but also when we're sent out, when we have time with God individually in our scripture reading, in our prayer. And then we have these growth workshops that hit really specific moments where we can grow and take a next step. And these small groups that we've really been encouraging these last couple months And then mission partners and and missional living. Mission partners allow us to focus our energy together collectively and making a bigger impact. And missional living, we know that we're scattered all over Columbus and you all are sent by God to do just what we talked about with Charlie, to be a worker and a priesthood of, of all believers in the kingdom. And so I'm excited to share with you that we put out this call about small groups because I, I'd love to share with you more about all of these, but that would get really long and boring. Let me have you instead focus on small groups for a minute because if you've been around the last couple of months, you know we've really been encouraging people to get into small groups. Our best headcount um, before we started this, this effort was that about 250 people were currently in a small group. And if you think about that in terms of 3,000 people, well, wow, we as a congregation could get a lot more connected, couldn't we? We could feel a lot more deeply connected and rooted with each other and following Jesus together. Wouldn't that be amazing if hundreds, dare I say thousands of people had a chance to feel like they are known, they're experiencing community, they're experiencing care on a level that's really, really appropriate, and they're getting a chance to to grow in Christ through processing these sermons and these Bible passages we're reading together. Um, I I just want to say thank you to hearing the call to that church and responding because we had hoped that in 2020 and the whole year, we would launch 40 new small groups. We hope that would help us really get more connected. And as of yesterday, we have 39 new groups. (laughs) So praise God to that. And 221 people are now newly connected into groups that weren't before. That's practically doubling where we were. I mean, praise God, because it's not only the stats, but it's the stories, right? Right. It's the small group facilitator that we heard from when we shared the list of people who were going to be in her group with her. She's like, this is better than Christmas morning because I know these are the people I'm going to get to invest in and care in. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? And then it's like this other group of facilitators who were waiting during the sign-up period. And and they said, hey, you know what? We are praying specifically for the people who will join our group. We can't wait to see what God does uh, with these new relationships. And so I just want to encourage you, like if you've been jumping into a new group, maybe this past week or this week, um, it'll take time for those friendships and trusted things to develop. Um, give, it, give it that time. Um, but we're well on our way, and I want you to know there's, there's room in these groups for more people to join. So I'm excited about what God is doing. He's giving us a good gift. You might have experienced the power of small groups in some ways in your own life, but I've, um, I've really experienced it in some really powerful ways over the years. I was uh, living in Washington, D.C. with my wife Amanda when we first got married, And uh, the person with the biggest apartment in Washington, D.C. gets to host small group. That's just how it goes. So we had, uh, by probably five square feet, the biggest apartment. And so we ended up having small group in our house and the joy of that. And getting to know people over the years was beautiful. One individual member, her name was Angelique. We found it pretty early on she was really asking a lot of questions about Jesus. She did not grow up in a Christian home. She was learning all about it for the first time. And so we made space in our group for those questions to happen as we were learning naturally. It just kind of overflowed. And we would go to church together and we'd kind of sit near each other at times. And every time the communion plate would pass by, they passed it by there. Uh, she would not receive it because appropriately so, she had not received Jesus or believed that he was her Savior. But then one Sunday, we were sitting next to her and she took communion. And we're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what just happened? So you can imagine our excitement after, as soon as the service is done, we're like, Angelique, tell us what's going on in your life. And she tells us all about how over the years God's been working on and sharing with her. And then, yes, she's received Jesus. And she's received that forgiveness. It was so cool to witness. And I've also seen it, you know, as a young person with becoming a parent for the first time. There were other parents that we had groups in Dayton with. And that really helped us learn about that phase of life and what it's like parenting, because that is a challenge. And then finally, most recently, our small group has been awesome with the birth of Joanna and also very supportive with Amanda and her sister. I think I've shared a little bit with you, but if not, Amanda's sister had a, a seven-year battle with colon cancer, and she recently passed away. She was in Texas after moving out on her own, and she was connected to a church, but then over time slowly became disconnected. And consequently, her relationship with God got really distant. And she wasn't really leaning on him for, for this process of, of following God through this very hard, hard situation. When she became unable to care for herself any longer and live alone, she was moved back to Dayton. We had a chance to care for her. She moved back in with mom in Dayton. And guess what the home church where she grew up in did as soon as she arrived? <laughs> they just enveloped her with love. They showed her what a Christian community was like and how to work through this. And guess what happened to her faith consequently? She reconnected to God in a way she absolutely needed. And to know that she is super connected to him as she passed over that threshold was a beautiful blessing to us as a family. And I'm so grateful for that church family and the way they loved her. That's the love that we have, right? As we think about these passages, I I want to toss some other passages up here just from this, that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. These passages from Jesus are so consistent. It's an exciting season that we're in, everybody. It's a good season where we're moving into new grounds of being connected together. And I pray that you'll feel connected and supported yourself. I want to pray a prayer over us um, from Jesus' words. He, he prayed not only for his disciples who were following him right then in that moment, but he also prayed a prayer for future believers. And I want to use those words from Scripture to pray for us as we head into our weeks and as we look to follow Jesus together. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you said these words. You said, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning the disciples. You pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for giving us a good gift of life that is full and robust and whole. God, for my brothers and sisters right here, I just pray and ask that you would meet them right where they're at, that wherever they feel they are not whole, that they would come to you with that, that they would seek you for healing and wholeness, and that you would bring it to them. God, you've been so faithful throughout the generations. We have hope. We have life because of you. Would you help us as we go out this week to, to share that with others, to show people that there is something more, more to life? Help us bring hope to this world that, that needs it, God. God, would you do your thing through us and thank you for this church home that we can call home. In Jesus' name, amen.